Yep, let's do it. Okay. And this doesn't have to be a long one. Let's just, I mean, what is there to say about Machete at the end of the day? So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you've, you've got stuff to say? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be mean to Machete. <laughs> that, that dream of a five minute episode's just got out the window. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. And I'm Dave. And that's it. That's literally it. That's it. Gav and Dave. <laughs> so, <laughs> this week we start a new season, maybe the best season yet. It's a season dedicated to the films of Danny Trejo. And what better place to start than in his first major box office film where he received top billing? You might ask, but isn't this Christmas? Why aren't you doing more Christmas films or something more festive? Well, when you say Christmas, I think Christmas is all about love, laughter, and family. And what sums that up more than Danny Trejo decapitating somebody? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We're going to put the 2010 action comedy movie Machete on trial. Is it a cut above or does it fail to make the cut? Oh, essentially, oh. will this film be placed? <laughs> on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, before we go on to discuss Machete, let's talk about our last trial, which was the 2022 horror film X. Alex judged that trial and deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. He's since gone away and he's watched the film. We don't know if he thought he made the right call or not because he hasn't bothered to pitch up in the call today. So <laughs> we'll get him next week. We'll get him we'll next get week. Next week. <laughs> well, I mean, we can, we can discuss the, between the two of us. What do you think, Dave? Do you think he made the right call by placing it on the hit list? Uh, yeah, probably. Probably. I think X is a decent enough film. It's, I don't know why people bang on about it the way they do, though. You'd think it was the next coming of The Exorcist. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, They talk about it like it's one of the greatest horror films of the last 10 years. It's not. It's not even in my top 10. Uh, I think it, it, it's a little overthought and a little overwrought and I think very basic. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan, to be honest with you, but... A lot of people, I'm in the minority. A lot of people really seem to like it. Um, and they said it makes more sense if you watch Pearl, which seems like a bit of a caveat, but I, I will take them at their word uh, mm-hmm. and say maybe maybe there's something here I'm just not seeing. So although I don't care for it for my, myself, based on the general consensus around me, I will say, yes, he's probably made the right decision. Yeah, I 100% agree, to be honest. It wasn't my favourite of the year, but I do think that Mia Goth was amazing in it. And I, I agree with that. Yeah. And, and I think that her performance alone definitely elevates the film onto the hit list. And I'm very excited to see the next instalment of the series, which is Maxine, with three X's in the middle. And the trailer for that will actually uh, drop imminently. I think it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out next week. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing where they go with this film, because that'll be a direct sequel to X, whereas Pearl was a prequel. So interested mm-hmm. to see where they decide to go with that believe i may be wrong i believe it is set in the 80s so interested to see what happens there now i'm i'm not done with the i'm not done with the trilogy yet but i am like teetering on the brink so i'll give them one more try and we'll see okay good because you've got it (laughs) now on to the trial itself all of the roles i say all both of the roles have been picked out of the hat of random. <laughs> and uh, all the today's insults have been taken from descriptions of kitchen knives as taken from goodhousekeeping.com. So acting okay. in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list is Dave. And Dave is just like the six-piece zvilling knife block bamboo set. Robust, comfortably balanced, and he cleans up very well. <laughs> you know what that's that's the nicest thing i think you've ever said to me i will take that <laughs> <laughs> and acting as prosecution trying to get this film placed on the shit list is me and i'm just like the richardson sheffield scandy five-piece stainless steel knife set a real oh, all-rounder. A nice knife set. <laughs> it, it's a good one isn't it it is a good one it's uh, <laughs> a good a knife real set. all-rounder when it comes to prepping meat <laughs> <laughs> and you gave that to yourself being the vegetarian on the part. I mean, I suppose Ozzy's vegan, isn't he? But yeah. 
Uh, now, just like male court advocates, the defense of prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though. So stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their genuine thoughts. Uh, now, what we would normally do here is introduce the role of the judge who has to decide which list the film should be based on, a hit or shit list based solely on the arguments put to them. However, we don't have a third member of the team to record today's episode. So yeah. just, just like the, I, I was going to say ill-fated, but I think it went pretty well. The episodes that we did on Army of the Dead, Dave and I are just going to discuss the film. We're going to argue to each other, basically, and then hopefully at the end yeah. of this, we're going to come to a general consensus as to what list this film should be placed on. Yeah, so not so much films on trial as uh, well, films in, in arbitration. <laughs> yeah. that it's, I'll be honest, it's not as catchy. But... <laughs> Uh, do, do you think we can, we can come to a, a fair decision at the end of this, Dave? Oh, I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can. I'm sure we're on the same page when all is said and done. Uh, maybe. <laughs> this, this could be fun. <laughs> okay, so before we get started, I think that we should probably give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. Um, It's 50-50 at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, well, coincidentally, it has actually landed on me. <laughs> so what we do here... <laughs> that worked out. read out the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. Dave, you were very hesitant about doing an impression this week, but I said, don't worry. Yeah, it's like when you say, oh, let's do an impression, it's like I am not, I am not being recorded doing some sort of dodgy Mexican impression. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Well, fortunately, you don't have to because it's landed on me this week. Uh, but <laughs> so I thought that I could do it in the style of, I was going to say the late, great Steven Seagal, but neither of those things is true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish one of them were. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. Here we go. An ex-Federali launches a brutal rampage of revenge against his former boss. You know what? That is not half bad. It's that funny. is not half bad. I realised I put far too much emotion in it. it was yeah, too- yeah, it should be more monotone and flat and you know soulless. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but you know, okay. otherwise, not bad. Thank you very much, Dave. Thank you very much. So let's let's kick things off then. I think we better start off with a bit of an overview from the defence, really. So, so why is this a decent film, Dave? I, I think this is a decent film because it's one of those we, we've called we've called them Ron Seal films in the past. This accomplishes exactly what it's set out to do. Now, the, those of you who knew Grindhouse, which is kind of a joint project between Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, uh, will know that as well as making their own B movie homages, their own B movies for that double feature, they made some fake trailers. So films that they thought could have been funny or could have been amusing, you know, fake adverts, fake trailers for films that weren't actually going to be made. And one of the ones Robert Rodriguez made was a film called Machete, starring Danny Trejo as uh, as Machete. Basically, as you said, this federale who is hired to do a job to perform a hit on a U.S. senator and is betrayed by the people who hire him, uh, causing him to go on a rampage of revenge. That Essentially, it was all summed up perfectly in the in the fake trailer that Robert Rodriguez made. Uh, and then you know, the support for the, for the trailer really started to snowball. After Grindhouse came out, people were like, oh, you should make that. I would, I, I would pay to watch that film. This sounds amazing. This should happen. And truth be told, Robert Rodriguez had actually got the makings of a full script for this film. He, it's something he'd had in mind ever since he met Danny Trejo uh, when they were making Desperado together. Uh, that was uh, the film they also discovered that they are cousins, uh, like second cousins, I believe. Uh, although they didn't know at the time until they got we were talking about family on set. Uh, and having met him, he was like, you know, this guy, it, it could be an action star. He's got this great look. He's got this great presence. He said, someone should make a film for this guy where he can be an action legend, a la Steven Seagal, a la Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know. Uh, and he said it was probably never going to get made. But then the fan response to this trailer, everything really started to take off. And the number of stars, you know, this has got a decent cast. The number mm-hmm. of stars that had worked with Danny Trejo in the past. Uh, for Robert De Niro being one of the probably the biggest name here, he signed on because it was Danny Trejo's 
starring vehicle. You know, this was a great opportunity for him. De Niro told him as such, and he wanted to support uh, his old co-star from Heat that he'd worked with previously. And and many of these people had worked with Danny Trejo before and kind of signed on to give him his moment in the spotlight. You know, there was a lot of support and love for this project. And the fans kind of wanted to see it happen for that reason as well. So that's why this film came about. And Robert Rodriguez has not set out to make, you know, the, the seventh seal or anything like mm-hmm. that. He's not he's not gone out of his way to, to make an instantaneous classic. He's wanted to do a schlock action film, a B-movie. You know, and it, even to the point where you'll be watching Machete and you'll see the film kind of kind of jump a bit, you know, like damaged, old damaged uh, film from like the 1970s, you know, the old film reels. And, you know, that, that attention to detail, kind of passing it off as an older film than it is, I think adds to the charm of this. And, and he said he wanted to set out to make an action film with a Latin flavor, uh, but that could still appeal to a broad mass audience. Uh, and it's like when he watched uh, John Woo's movies, he said, oh, that made me want to find out more about Asian culture. It almost made me want to, want to be Asian. Uh, you know, with the films he made with Chow Yun-Fat, Hard Boiled, The Killer, and stuff like that. And he said that inspired him to make films uh, that would create that same feeling in the Latin arena. Mm-hmm. And he has had fun with this. Everyone involved has had fun with Machete. You have got a schlock B-movie action film starring one of the most recognizable character actors in America, finally getting his moment in the sun, finally getting his moment to show what he can do. And I don't see how anyone could dislike this movie. Gav. <laughs> well, it's funny that you should mention Ron Seal because I wrote the same thing. We talk about Ron Seal films on this podcast all the time, as in films do. that do exactly what they say on the tin. This, for me, is not one of those films. I'm so sorry to mention, Dave. But the film, as you said, started life off as this three-minute trailer in 2007 as part of the Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, Double Bill, Grindhouse. I'll admit that I thoroughly enjoyed it at the time, and I was one of those fans that was clambering to see this made into a full-length film. It was it was fun. It was funny, uh, just how outlandish it was, the idea that this over-the-top, mindless action movie with all this gore and nudity, with its incredibly shoddy production value, could have been made. It was very tongue-in-cheek, and it was very in-on-the-joke. Now, just because something is satisfying in small doses doesn't mean that it's going to have the same appeal 35 times over. A good sneeze or bowel movement can feel incredibly satisfying, but nobody would want to take one long dump that takes 105 minutes to pass. (laughs) That is pretty much a good metaphor for this film. (laughs) Now, unfortunately, it should have been a simple task. You have Danny Trejo blow shit up and unleash violence for an hour and a half. But instead, Robert Rodriguez overcomplicates things with this unnecessarily complicated script that contains so many backstabs and screwovers that it could have been written by Vince Russo. But, but I, I, know that, nice. I know that doesn't That's sound right. funny, but like I, I guarantee that there's some wrestling fans listening to this that are short than at that joke. And now, anyway, when the violence and action does come, however, it's far too fleeting and it becomes very repetitive very quickly. Rodriguez rings every bit of fun out of this one note film, repeating the funniest and best parts of the trailer on a bigger budget but to a much poorer standard. As you said before Dave, the cast looked like they're having fun at least with the exception of Steven Seagal who just looks constipated but (laughs) they're the only ones who are having fun. I'm sorry to say Dave and I don't mean to badmouth the great Danny Trejo but at 66 it looks less machete and more butter knife. <laughs> oh, come on now. I mean, this was this was when machete came out. Danny Trejo is 80 next year, yeah. I believe. He's 79, 80 next year. And I tell you now, an 80-year-old man, he could still batter me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And and you you and I together in the same room, he could kick. And if Ozzy, Joel, and, and Alex were here as well, he could take all five of us, possibly with one hand tied behind his back. <laughs> I like how you added them as if they were going to give us extra weight and credibility. <laughs> Even the great Aussie with all of his belts, all of his martial arts experience, even him. Right, if it was a paintball tournament, Aussie might be able to take Danny Trejo, but it's not. <laughs> so it's No, I, I think Danny Trejo looks every inch the action star that he ever did. I think he looks dangerous. I think he looks deadly. I think he is made to be in action movies. And, and this is his moment. It's, 
I know what you mean about um, it not being Ron Seal. I see why you might feel that the, the trailer's uh, written a check that bounces. I get what you mean. Mm-hmm. But the thing is about the film is it is nasty. It is tasteless. It is violent and it is vulgar and it's meant to be. Everyone is loving this. This, You know, you don't turn up to watch Machete and you're surprised at any point by what you've seen. You know, sometimes you want to be surprised by a film. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just want to be able to watch what you think you've paid for, what has been sold to you in the trailer. And Robert Rodriguez was very careful to uh, use the, some of the footage that he used in the trailer and only recreate where he had to. And even when he recreated, he recreated as faithfully as he could. The only glaring problem with the uh, with the trailer and the transition to the full-fledged film is that he's had to recast uh, Tito Lariva, who wasn't available for a full uh, for the full film. So you got... Danny Trejo, Jeff Fahe, Cheech Marin, all reprising their roles from the trailer. They had to replace Tito Lariva with Shea Wiggum, mm-hmm. which, you know, that is unfortunate that, that Lariva was not available, but I think Shea Wiggum actually does a very good job. He's another guy who uh, I think should get more action film roles. I think he's uh, a dependable force in films such as these. Um, I think everything this film does, you know, even though, like I say, it's tasteless and it's vulgar, it's not for the sake of it as such. It's to create this B-movie aesthetic and it's to create this vision that, that Robert Rodriguez has. And he's been true to that. And it's all it's all created with very knowing nods to the audience. I think it's very it's very tongue in cheek or, you know, surgical sore in bowels, depending, <laughs> on, what you, depending on how you want to spin it. Um, <laughs> But to no, be honest, I, Dave, I, I think it's less tongue in cheek and more tongue in between cheeks. <laughs> well, that too, that too, which again is it's part and parcel of B movies, you know. And I think he was he actually the reason I was reading a, an interview with Robert Rodriguez. Um, obviously, there's a lot of well, I say there's a lot of nudity. You're made to think there's a lot of nudity in the opening scene. You've got the scene where he rescues that woman and he's betrayed by her and she's naked for that scene. Mm-hmm. He did that so that later in the film, uh, you've got the scene with Jessica Alba in the shower. She's not actually naked at that point. It's all, she's, she's wearing something else in there and they just kind of like, they fudge it out in CGI at the end. And he said, the idea was you, we show you someone who was comfortable being naked at the start of the film. And then for the rest of the film, we can give the illusion of nudity and still appeal to that B movie aesthetic still with excessive violence and gore and nudity and language and all the rest of it. And I think that's actually quite a smart move, how to make a B movie and yet keep it kind of mainstream. I think he's, he's straddled that line particularly well uh, in, you know, keeping the, the horrendous aspect, the exploitation aspects of B movies in the film, while at the same time, not actually, bowing over to them and actually putting his own spin on it, which I think you got to commend Robert Rodriguez for. So uh, I think, yeah, this is, this is a B movie. I'd say this is almost a trauma-esque commitment <laughs> to, uh, to B movies, Gav. I mean, would you not say that trauma have been doing this for a long time? You're, you're a fan of trauma films. I am a fan of trauma films. Yeah. And, um, but the thing is, is that trauma films are, 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 are on the joke. You know what I mean? And, and this field tries to be, a little too serious. I, I, I completely get what you're, you're saying, but when you're talking about those B-movie films and you're talking about the Grindhouse films from, from which this, this film itself originated from, because, you know, it originated from the Grindhouse film that Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez made, which was a pastiche to those classic films. It is over-the-top violence and gore and action and I just don't feel that there was enough of this. There was definitely smatterings, or or should that be splatterings, of over-the-top <laughs> action and gore. The fans definitely will enjoy. I'm not arguing that. And Robert Rodriguez is a master of this genre when he is let loose. But I just think there is just not enough of it. For me, you see Danny Trejo in a film as this ass-kicking machine called Machete. You expect a lot of action and violence. What you don't expect is some somber subplot, or I say subplot, it's essentially the main plot, about immigration, about two-thirds of the way into the film. I remember pausing it and saying, like, what the hell's going on here? Why has it been so long since I've seen Danny Trejo kick some ass? You know, it, <laughs> it just felt like it got way, way too bogged down with this serious or, or more serious than it needed to be plot. And then when the action does arrive, it quickly becomes a bit one-note and repetitive, and oddly, it feels rushed as if Rodriguez is trying to move on to yet another bit of unnecessary plot. The film, I feel, could have been much better 
if it had to drastically reduce plot and also it cut the running time by about 20 minutes and it included a hell of a lot more action. But as it stands, for me, it's just an average film with a few brief moments of glorious violence, but they're just few and far between. I'm sorry. I don't know. I mean, if you cut, if you were to cut 20 minutes off this film, it'd be like an hour 10. This isn't a long film. It's like 90 minutes long. <laughs> it, it's felt like long. The, it felt it, long. It, it did not feel long at all. It flies by. It's 90 minutes long. It is like the minimum requirement for like a feature film almost, you know, and, and, you know, it was um, a huge box office success which we i know i know like box office success does not equal a good film and not, neither does box office failure equal a bad film but it does say something that you know that that fan base that i was talking about turned up to see this film in their droves allowing the film to gross uh 44 million dollars i believe worldwide this is decent for a b movie and a b movie that was done on a, on a reasonable budget as well like i say a lot of people took pay cuts simply because they wanted to support danny trejo's project here like he, as robert rodriguez says he's pretty much worked with half of Hollywood and you know there were a lot of people who were prepared to sign on and help with this film but I think when it comes to the violence I I think there's plenty of it and I think when it does come along you're actually treated to some quite ingenious uh moments you know action can be a little like horror you know it's like when you get a good horror it's because it's done something fresh you know do it bringing something new to the genre that's what I like to see. And action is a little bit like that as well. You know, you want to see something new. You don't want to see just another, you know, bank heist gone wrong or like another skyscraper being taken over by by bank robbers or terrorists or anything. Sometimes you want to see Danny Trejo take a surgical saw, carve into someone, disembowel them, and then use the end of their bowels that he's cut out to jump out of a window and uses a rope to kind of swing himself into a lower window in that same building all the while while this person just stood there screaming wondering what the hell to do this is horrific and yet it played a little bit for laughs as it should be with a b movie mm-hmm. but i've never seen that done before and we'll probably never see that done again because you can't play that scene seriously you know it wouldn't it wouldn't work thank god yeah. don't try it don't try it. Don't, it wouldn't work. But it's like, thank, thank God that they do play this for laughs. And it's a horrendously violent scene. It's unspeakably gory, but yet still comical. To, to toe that line between the two, I think, is, is commendable. And uh, yeah, I think the violence is there in droves. But just maybe because it was lighthearted at times, you didn't feel it was as violent or gory as... as you no, I, I, I agree. I, I like the nice blend of comedy and violence. And that was a particular scene that stood out for me. But what I felt like is that they were just a bit few and far between. You had, well, I mean, like you're talking about the script and the story before, right? And you Mm -hmm. said that when he wrote the original trailer, that he had a script in mind. I just find that hard to believe. I, I, I don't think he had a full script in mind. And I think that there was a lot of fan support behind this film. And he was like, right, we're going to make it. And, you know, in a way, I admire Robert Rodriguez because he didn't go for the low-hanging fruit. He could have just written a generic script that we've seen countless times before about a badass like Danny Trejo who is wronged in some way and he takes revenge in a gloriously gory fashion. But in this instance, and I can't state this enough, that is 100% what the audience of this film would have wanted from this movie. Like, they don't want anything too complicated. They don't want anything too convoluted. They don't want any unnecessary subplots. They just want that. You know, like, when, you, when you're when tuning in to watch Taken or something, you're seeing Liam Neeson absolutely batter bad guys. That's what you want. You just want one person is wronged, takes glorious revenge. That's that. Instead, we start off having this backstory of Machete's family being killed by a barely conscious Steven Seagal. Then, fast forward <laughs> a number of years... And you move on to a different plot, the one from the original trailer, in which Machete is hired to assassinate this Trump-like corrupt politician, obviously six years before Trump. So, uh, but Machete is just the patsy, and the politician is instead wounded, as the whole thing is this ploy to create sympathy votes. Then we find out the politician was very anti-Mexican and anti-immigration, to the extent that he's killing anybody who crosses the border. Yeah, he's pretty actually, much genocidal, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, genocidal, yeah. And But people seem okay with that because he's got like a YouTube video where he's seen like killing people. But anyway, uh, he's secretly being funded by a Mexican drug cartel, which is headed up by Sleepy Seagal. So <laughs> that revenge subplot is back on. But 
that, that's sort of like only about 40 minutes into the film and it is by total coincidence you know he Danny Trejo's machete is hired because he just looks like somebody that they can get in from, from um the you know just somebody they can pull in off the streets give them a gun try to do this assassination and then you know like kill him essentially they don't realize that he's an ex-federale it's just the whole thing's just a big coincidence which just feels a little lazy then there's a number of subplots. There's this one, including Jessica Alba's police officer slash immigration enforcer who realizes there are their ways and helps Machete. There's this weird love story angle between the two of them. There's a plot involving a secret rebellion fronted by a woman called She, which is a play on Shay. And then there's this truly bizarre subplot involving Lindsay Lohan and her mum that doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, it's just, it just feels pretty awkward. And I think the only reason they got that in is because of the trailer. I feel like when they're talking about things that went from the trailer to the film, that's something that they definitely should have removed or changed up a little bit. And then there are just far too many backstabs, secret reveals, late character introductions, including Tom Savini, too many plot twists that are just uncalled for in a film like this. And also, I'm sorry to say, it wasn't as funny as it should have been. Like the thing is, is that as you said before, a lot of the, the humour, I feel, comes from the extreme violence. But this film just should have been a lot more funnier throughout. It shouldn't have just been those extreme violent moments that are funny. It should have just been. Because the trailer itself was very tongue-in-cheek. It was very funny. And this felt like it just lacked that. you know. And I think sometimes a concept is funnier than the execution. And this is definitely an example of that. It's convoluted, it's messy, and it's totally out of place in a film like this. Sorry. I... I... No, no, I, I understand your point. I do. Uh, but I, I've got a few uh, disagreements there. I kind of like this subplot that he's gone for. I mean, if you just turned up and you basically just got a long version of the trailer, you might feel a bit bored. You know, you can't stretch that over 90 minutes. You've got to add something to it. And he added this, like you say, immigration subplot or rather the, the hatred that immigrants to the United States can face by certain factions of society. And I think that's quite a nice addition. You know, he's trying to do something with a bit more, you know, uh, social social nuance to it you know a bit more of a message behind it he's mm-hmm. not just settled for doing a b movie it is a b movie it is a but do you think that's film. robert rodriguez's style though uh i think it worked i think it worked As, like i said at the start you know he was influenced by john woo films he wanted you know it made him want to it made him feel like he wanted to be asian or learn more about asian culture if you really want to know what it's like to be latin american in america today you know, maybe you do need to know a little bit about the the journey that many of them have to face to get into the United States and the kind of prejudice that they face once they arrive there. You know, maybe this is kind of a, a fully rounded view on the journey that many Latin Americans or even Mexicans face to get into the United States. Maybe this is something that needed to be said. Um, I kind of don't mind the coincidence between um, uh, them hiring a federale by mistake. Uh, I think you get that in action films. That's particularly action films that aren't trying to be the most imaginative or well-written i think in a b movie <laughs> in a b movie i think that's absolutely fine look at uh, look at under siege talking of sleepy seagal you know before he before yeah, he yeah, goes yeah. off under siege what are the odds that the chef is a is a navy seal you know who just so happens to have been court-martialed <laughs> meaning that the only rank he can have is a petty officer or a cook so and it yeah, just so yeah, happens that true. the chef is a one of the most dangerous men on the ship what are the odds Not like that happy. new um the, uh, jason statham film that's coming out on new year's day if you've seen the advert for it he's a beekeeper <laughs> obviously with go. a hidden past the whole trailer is like my god he's just a beekeeper <laughs> <laughs> It's exactly that. So, you know, even in the trailer where it's like you hired a goddamn federale, it's just yeah. and I I know what you mean about them being bound to that trailer. You know, it, it may be the Lindsay Lohan thing, you know, having, you know, because in the trailer, you know, Jeff Fahey's character wonder where, where my wife and daughter and they are in a pool with Danny Trejo at that moment in time. And it's kind of one of those things that, oh, it's funny in a trailer. And it's like, maybe it doesn't work in a full feature length film having to shoehorn that in. So maybe he got a bit carried away with the trailer, but he didn't expect to actually make a full length feature film out of it. Um, And, you know, he padded out that script. He had the workings of a script, the basics of a script. uh, And then he just padded it out because he had to, he had to bring more to the table than just what the trailer showed. But at the same time, he couldn't take the trailer off the table. So I feel that did bind his hands. 
mm-hmm. uh, to an extent. So I see what you mean there. I do. Um, but I still think he worked very well. I mean, this is kind of a unique story of how this film came about, you know, making the trailer before you've made the film. There's not many films that can say that, you know, this is, this is unique. This is yeah. almost a cinematic history that has been made here. I would say. Uh, True. I mean, I can't think of many, what well, apart from Thanksgiving by Eli Roth, uh, clown. Actually, I think that was, if you ever saw that film, that was a fake yeah, but, trailer that was made. Oh, was it? I wasn't sure if that was a short then just got expanded, you know, like lights out. Or... Yeah. But, uh, but no, I think this is pretty unique. But the, even if there are a couple of other films, there aren't many yeah, uh, that come true. about this way. And it is it is unfortunate, you know. But I, I suppose the way around it could always have been, you know, how many trailers do you see with a scene that doesn't actually make it to the finished film? And it just winds up on the cutting room floor. There true. could have been a way around it, but maybe he just leaned into it. Maybe he didn't want to disappoint the fans. Maybe he wanted to give them the film that they expected when they showed up. So uh, I, I think Robert Rodriguez has really put his heart and soul into this. And, you know, I like the subplots. I okay. like the fact that he stayed loyal to the trailer. Okay. Right now, what do you think about the cast and, and all the characters? You mentioned that a lot of Hollywood A-listers were doing this as a favour to Danny Trejo and probably did it on the cheap, if not free. Um, I mean, I mean, what do you think about this this cast, Gav? Robert De Niro. <sighs> I mean, he's in it. Uh, he's certainly in it. <laughs> But then again, he's also appeared in a Warburton's bread commercial. So, and he was great in that Warburton's bread commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is sort of the like the mid noughties Robert De Niro did a lot of shit. I'm sorry to say. No, he did. He did. But I honestly think he leans into this one. I think he performs it. And when you think about the kind of film that this is, he didn't necessarily have to dig deep for a performance but he actually does i think he really like leans into this i think he does the best with what is available to him and what what is available is a very basic script let's not lie mm-hmm. yeah and but i think the hero actually performs pretty well here uh steven seagal what do you think about his edition i mean steven seagal's body's in it uh, i have no idea <laughs> where his mind was though <laughs> Oh, I mean, his mind's not been present for like two decades now. <laughs> this this was thankfully the last big movie that he was cast in, although it, it came about 10 years too late. The man cannot act or even no. move very well. <laughs> no. And the no. final fight well, you scene. Appreciate. Oh, yeah, it's painful to watch, but you've got yeah. to appreciate the comedy. And I think the reason Steven Seagal is there, I mean, Steven Seagal ha- has his political opinions, and they are polar opposite to what are the documented political opinions of Danny Trejo and Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. So I think that, that his inclusion is an homage to action movies in general, because say what you will about him, he is a huge action star. And I think casting him as a villain, not a villain that's in it necessarily too much, just the right amount to bring a bit of presence to it, and enough that you want to see the guy get disemboweled by the end of the film. You know, I think this is a, I think that's a nice touch. Um, the villain that your focal point is on really throughout the film is Jeff Fahey, yeah. who reprises his role from the trailer. He's the guy you're on the journey with for most of the film. He's nothing more than a henchman in the end, but he's the guy that you see most of. And I think Jeff Fahey is brilliant. Just in general, I think Jeff Fahey is brilliant. And I think he's great in this. I mean, yeah, I, I really like Jeff Fahey, and I think he actually does give a decent performance in this. My issue is with his character, and you've hit the nail on the head there, Dave. He is essentially a henchman, but he's treated like the head honcho for a lot of this until Rob De Niro comes along, and then we see, oh, actually, he's like a more like a second in command, but he's still a commanding presence, and, you know, he's still a force to be reckoned with. And then Steven Seagal comes in, and then he's actually, well, the third in command then. And his character takes a bit of a knock then. And he doesn't seem as much of a credible opponent. He's actually getting threatened quite a lot by Robert De Niro and Steven Seagal. And he seems much weaker. And then Machete sleeps with his wife and his daughter. And then by that point, it's essentially like, oh, this guy is, is, a, is less of a threat than we initially thought. So much so that he's not even really discarded by Machete, he's killed, well, sorry, he's shot by Robert De Niro, and then he's finally, I think, executed by Machete, but it doesn't feel satisfying because Robert De Niro's already done the hard work by shooting him in the first place. So it yeah, doesn't I really think, feel satisfying. I think that's fine. 
I think this is fine. This is just another action movie trope that they've lent into. Nah, I mean, it's um, imagine it's like payback. it's like James Bond not fighting like uh, Jaws or Oddjob or, or, or you know instead like the the big bad killing off the henchman before Bond gets to him. Exactly. It's it's like Mr. White uh, executing Le Chiffre. It's it's just that it's an action. And movie. that felt it's unsatisfying like as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like payback. Okay, in payback, Mel Gibson is like is robbed by his partner in this heist, uh, who runs off with his money, and he ends up giving it to some guys he owed he owed debts to. So Mel Gibson gets out of prison, tracks down his partner, he kills him within like half an hour, and then he goes after William Devane, who's the guy he's given the money to, and then there's Chris Christopherson, even higher than William Devane, and it goes on like that, and he wor- he's working his way up the ladder, he's taking out you know the multiple heads of the Hydra on his way to the big boss. Yeah, I but, think, and there's and there's plenty of action films like that. That's what Jeff Farhey's role is, and I think it works just fine. I, I think I think that there's no sub. I think that we start off with one character, and then he his character just takes such a knock, and it depreciates so much that by the time he gets his comeuppance, it just feels very unsatisfactory. And he's he, he's not the only one really, because the same sort of thing happens with Robert De Niro as well. Robert De Niro sort of takes a bit of a backseat to Steven Seagal. And then we get a sort of satisfying death in that he gets shot by Lindsay Lohan, but by all people. I mean, I did, like once again, I was like, I don't see the connection here. I feel like he should have been shot by by uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Well, now, if you remember, he actually survives that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And then he ends up killed on the, by his own the border. border patrol. Yeah, yeah. The the border patrol that he's funded and finances and ran with for years end yeah. up thinking he is trying to uh, immigrate illegally into America and gun him down on the border. Which yeah, is kind but, of, that is know, satisfying. I know it's not Danny Trejo killing him, but that is kind of satisfying. But yeah, that's the thing. It doesn't feel satisfying because it's not Danny Trejo or any of the Mexicans killing him. It doesn't really feel like it's justice, and it feels a little bit lazy because yeah, okay, it's it like. It's it's ironic that he's being killed in the same way that he killed so many Mexican Mexican people, and it just feels like there's no way that any of those people that he did those those rounds with and that he did those executions with will not recognize him. Like he looks like Robert De Niro, he sounds like Robert De Niro. You know, it's like there's no there's no reason why they would get mistake would mistake him for anybody else. Basically, but the important thing is, Gav, he's not dressed like Robert De Niro. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. That's if I turned up on Saturday in one of Aussie's suits, you'd be you'd be t- talking to me about Aussie's life for a bit. I, I, I was, you, I was, yeah, yeah. Take yeah. you about half an hour to recognize we're different people. <laughs> uh, another one, Tom Savini. You love yeah. Tom Savini. I know you said he was introduced late, but what's the old saying? I would rather have Tom Savini in a film for the last five minutes than not have him in it at all. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I do love Tom Savini, and it was nice to see him, but I'd rather have him introduced a lot earlier. Like, maybe, I don't know. Like, Yeah, I just feel like you then had Shea Wiggum as well that you mentioned before. I love Shea Wiggum. Yeah, so do I. I think he's a great actor, but once again, he was killed off by Jeff Fahey. So, you know, once again, an unsatisfactory death. And then there's a gap there for like a secondary, or well, it's not even like a third or a fourth, it's like a fourth villain, essentially. So they have to then hire Tom Savini because they've already killed Shea Wiggum. So it just feels a little bit unnecessary. I'd rather have Tom Savini in from the beginning, you know, <laughs> but him, I mean, him, put the assassin. I mean, for all we know, this is just scheduling issues that they just had to work around. You know, he got, he got Tom Savini in last minute. Cheech Marin. What a great addition to the cast. Jessica Alba, Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez and Jessica Alba were at the peak of their, their Hollywood pulling power at this point, I would say. These are big names to get yeah. included. Yeah, but once again, you know, the characters, the main issue that I've got here, Rodriguez, she has this weird thing with a secret identity. Uh, you know, is she she or Shay? Is she not? And then there's this thing where she gets killed, she gets executed, she gets shot through the eye, but then actually... Hey, guess what? She's not dead because right at the very end, she comes back with an eye patch on. And actually, is she she? Is she not? I don't know. That's still a bit of a mystery at the end, to be honest. And... Oh, I was pretty sure she was. Okay. Uh, yeah. That mystery was not even a mystery in my mind. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it just, it just like, I, I, I will not argue with, with most of the performances, mm-hmm. but what I will argue with is the characters, including, unfortunately, one of the most one dimensional 
main characters you will find in a big blockbuster film in Machete. And nothing to do with Danny Trejo. It's just, it's essentially him not showing a lot of emotion for over 100 minutes. No character growth, no nothing. It's essentially a character summary which is just look badass, which don't get me wrong, he does very well, but it's hardly an opportunity for him to flex his acting muscles, is it? His family were killed, Gav. He's dead inside. (laughs) He's he's got no love left inside of him. He's just a shell of a man. All he knows is bitterness and violence, and he dispenses it all with equal measure. Okay, okay. So, uh, right, anything else you want to say about this film, Dave? Any closing arguments? Um, I thought the special effects were better than they had any right to be, for what that's worth. I liked the soundtrack as well. I mean, it's a typical Robert Rodriguez soundtrack. It's kind of like rock, but like, uh, but like with that Latin twist to it, kind of like Tex-Mex, mm-hmm. if that were a genre of music. Actually, <laughs> It should be if it's not. I don't know. I need to look into that more. But like that, yeah, it's got that American Southern rock feel, but with that Latin flavor to it, which yeah. I, I I like that about Robert Rodriguez soundtracks. He chooses them well. Uh, I, yeah, I I know what you're saying about the characters. Yeah, some of them are paper thin. Some of them are literally there to serve a point in the plot. Uh, but I think that the actors he's assembled do their job amiably, whatever that job may be, whether it is just to perform a function or whether it is to drive the film forward. Everyone does what is required of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with a B movie, you don't expect a great script. Even when you watch the trailer in the middle of Grindhouse, you you know what you're expecting here. You may be getting some snappy one-liners, which you get, you know, a la Cheech Marin, you know, when, uh, as the priest after he's, he's gunned a guy down just before he blows his head off completely. It's like, have mercy. He's like, God has mercy. I don't. <laughs> These are the sort of lines you want to see, and they're there in abundance. That's the kind of script you're going for. Mm-hmm. The plot doesn't need to make sense. The characters don't need to be nuanced or have character arcs. This is the kind of film you're here for. You're here for snappy one-liners. You're here for a good ride. You're here to enjoy the fun and enjoy yeah. the violence and enjoy the spectacle that is a B-movie actioner. Well, thank you very much, Dave. Um, I would... Uh, say that this makes a very good two-minute trailer, but that it was turned into a very poor or at least adequate 105-minute film. It had far too little action, and it wasn't as B-movie as it should have been. Instead, it had too much of a bloated and unnecessary script. And although there were some good performances in there, the characters were just very underdeveloped. So... So is this yeah. where you and I come to a conclusion without a judge present? And yeah. <laughs> what's, what's your conclusion, Gav? I'm going to uh, flip a coin. Now, okay, right? So all, <laughs> all, all joking aside, right? I think maybe what we usually do is the judge decides which list the film should be placed on, and then we reveal our honest opinions. Maybe instead we should reveal our honest opinions on the film and then the yep. two of us make a decision as to where this film should be placed what do you think about that i say go for it gav what do you actually think you know what it's all right it is all right i think i enjoyed it much much more when it first came out in 2010 i think watching it back i think i've seen this done much better since and i think it, it just wasn't as funny or enjoyable as I felt that it should have been, but I still did enjoy it. You know, it's just a joy to watch Danny Trejo in a leading action role, just kicking ass and you know, just being ultra violent. And uh, yeah, so I think it's like 60, 40 or maybe 70, 30 enjoyed it, uh, didn't enjoy it or, or would have wanted something better. I was a little harsh on, on it in the... <laughs> in my arguments there. So I do apologise to everybody, including especially Danny Trejo. Uh, but I wasn't harsh enough on Steven Seagal, who, uh, quite frankly, is a real piece of shit. Uh, so <laughs> Yes, he is. Yes, he, he truly is. Yeah, so that's my honest opinion. Dave, I imagine that you are 100% honest in your summation. No, I actually agree with a lot of what you said, actually, <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest. Really? Uh, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, I did. 
I, yeah, I love Danny Trejo. He's one of my favorite characters. I've always, I've always had a soft spot for character actors. You know, the guys that that never really get the, their moment in the sun. Mm-hmm. The guys that are always in the background. The, the instantly recognizables. You yeah. know, it's like um, someone, someone at work showed me a picture of. Do you know Al, Al Leong? You, you know Al Leong. Of course, yeah, yeah, of course. From, Die, from Die Hard, Hard and yeah. Big Trouble in Little from, China. From Siege, I think he was in as well, wasn't he? He could have been. Yeah, he made, know, basically made a career out of playing henchmen. In, in various films mm-hmm. and I, the, the meme was basically when this guy turns up you know shit's about to go down and I love <laughs> things like that I love Al Leong I love it when he turns up in an 80s action movie because you do know shit's about to go down and that's what Danny Trejo is to me uh, only a guy who actually gets lines you know a guy who actually gets lines to deliver and gets like some characters every now and again he's not just a nameless henchman there's so mm-hmm. much more to him and I that's what I love about Danny Trejo and his redemption story in real life you know yeah. a man who had you know the, the probably the least privileged upbringing you can think of. You know, you talk about privilege today. The guy had one of the hardest lives growing up imaginable. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was on drugs from a young age and in prison from a very young age, and turned it all around. And his philosophy on the whole thing, you know, he, he became a drugs counselor to, uh, before he became a, a movie star. And the whole reason he got into the film game was because he was actually going there to help someone on a film set. Um. Which I, which I thought was really sweet. And he says everything good that's ever happened to him in life has come as a direct consequence of trying to help someone else. And I like his philosophy. This is why I love Danny Trejo. And I'm so pleased he got this moment. Yeah. Step out of the step out of being a character actor and be an actor, to be a leading man. Yeah. So I'm so pleased this film got made. But I agree with what you're saying. The joke wears a little thin after a, after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the novelty factor, which you know, it dined out on heavily, it does subside a bit. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it could have done with being a bit sharper in the script, uh, and maybe yet yeah, having more moments of of action, more moments of violence, maybe having more one-liners. You know, it probably could have done with a few more rewrites. I think there was so much goodwill towards this film. I think maybe they cashed that goodwill too soon, and and maybe should have focused on really making this film all it could have been because i think there's more to more to achieve here i think there is more that could have been done in terms of script and in terms of plot and in terms of the overall staging of the thing uh i think maybe they got a little carried away with how well received the trailer was and the assurance they're under a good thing so maybe that's mm-hmm. the pitfall yeah but all in all i think it's uh, you know what it's close to 50 50 for me i i agree that it's it's close to 50-50 as well, but I know that I'm not a very good judge. I, fi- I find it very hard to pick up flaws in films these days. Like whenever we see a film in the cinema, I find it very hard to be like, yeah, that was shit. I'm always like, well, I didn't enjoy the lighting. You know, and there's always bits that yeah. I get out of it. Yeah, I, think I get carried away with stuff like that as well. And it's yeah. like, oh, but that was, that, that editing was good, wasn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah. So I think that if I put my personal enjoyment of the film and my personal love of Danny Trejo aside, and I look at this completely unbiased, I think yeah. it would be sensible and right to place this on the shit list. Oh, I, I hate to say it, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, you know what, though? Do you know what? I think Alex would be proud of us. <laughs> yeah, I think it would. We've, we've grown since we have. we've been doing this podcast, I tell you. I mean, yeah, my love for, for Danny Trejo, and, and you know what? I've got a soft spot for Robert Rodriguez as well, Yeah, yeah is, is untarnished by this film. It's got its, it, there's a time and a place for it. But I would struggle to recommend this to anybody. Sorry, uh, I don't know. Let me rephrase. I would struggle to recommend this to everybody. Yeah, there yeah, are some yeah, people yeah. I think would enjoy this. There are some people who's like, oh, Machete, is it any good? Should I watch it? Mm, no, no, it's mm. not for you. Yeah. And um, with that, it's a little esoteric. And therefore, yeah, I think if you don't adore action films, don't adore Danny Trejo, you run out of things to like and things to keep you entertained for 90. So, yeah, I think shit list. Mm, yeah. Oh, oh, it's hard. It's hard to say. It's hard it to feels hear. Feels bad though, doesn't it? it does it feels does. bad though? It's, it does. Sorry, <laughs> Danny. <laughs> Sorry, Danny. We still love you, Danny. We just we, we got to be pragmatic. <laughs> I, you know what? He'd probably agree with us. Yeah, it's like, to be honest, he'd probably tell us it was never meant to be good in the first place. What are we great? <laughs> yeah. Just enjoy. Just enjoy it. <laughs> So with that in mind, higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was X, which scored 94% and 75% scores on Rotten Tomatoes, both critical and audience respectively there. Was the 94% the critical one? Yes. 
Um, okay, I think. Oh, I think fans. I think it might be higher than the seventy-five. Okay. I think critical, substantially lower. Well, you're not too far off. Critical seventy percent. So that was kind of a shoot. That's, that's not bad. It's that's not bad, bad at all, really. This is the one that surprises me. Fan reception, sixty-three percent. That's disappointing. I thought that'd be much higher. I think that's the issue we were talking about, though. I think that's yeah. why you know it wound up on the shit list for us, and we love the guy. Mm. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the the joke just wore thin, uh, yeah. and they they could have freshened it up a bit more. I think is all it is. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, I think I think you're right there. Well, um, at least we're not on our own. It's just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we are we are part of the sixty three. So yeah. I <laughs> I think that is uh, that's everything. So I just want to say thank you very much for your. Uh, argument today dave and uh, i thank myself as well thank you very much to everybody who has listened to this episode really appreciate you take the time out to listen to all these episodes if you want more films on trial content check out filmsontrial.co.uk and uh you can check us out on any podcast and platform whether you get your podcasts and check us out on all the socials at film trials on twitter and films on trial on everything else so our danny trail season continues in two weeks time we're going to be putting the kids classic spy kids on trial and hopefully we'll have more than just myself and dave to record that episode but in the meantime what have we learned for our american audience von seal is a british is it a british company i don't even know it's a company i don't even know it might be american they might know more about ron <laughs> seal than we yeah. do it's a company that uh, basically does that's about to put it the fuck is one seal i don't even know it's <laughs> boys one seal it's worth one seal is whatever you want it to be okay it's it's, it's predominantly um decking stains and, and wood stains and yeah. paints and things like that and sealants it's, it's, okay. it's found in any good hardware store in in the uk at least okay yeah uh, and, and and yeah they had an advert out in the 90s which said one seal was exactly what it says in the tin and we reference that all the time so if, if you ever wonder what the fuck are they talking about it's that anyway that's what we've learned today and we've also learned that Rossetti is shit unfortunately but we are going to be back in your ears in two weeks time with Spy Kids goodbye and it's done you know Machete is done so know. you know the others can join us for Spy Kids hopefully that's the uh, final nail or the, the final knife in the coffin Yes, the, the final sword. <laughs> Ron, Se- Ron Seal is British, by the way. Okay, there we go, yeah. yeah. It's from Sheffield, uh, but it has been bought out by Sherwin-Williams, which is obviously a huge paint manufacturer in the United States. Hey, well, they'll, they'll know sooner or not. They'll know. They'll know. They'll know. They'll know. Tell them Sherwin-Williams owns it. They'll, they'll know who that <laughs> is. <laughs>